So the first three parts of the mindfulness of the body are to develop our presence and living an embodied life through breathing, through the four postures, through the many activities of the day, developing continuity and embodiment, and then seeing the refrain through all those activities, your internal, external, arising and passing, bare attention, the sense of independence um, as you stream through experience. Then we come to the next three parts. The next three parts, the goal here is to develop a wise relationship to having a body at all. And what happens is that we have this body, but one of the ways that we get caught into suffering is we don't have right relationship to having a body. This body has its own nature, and we often are hoping, if not demanding, that the body conform to our comfort, that the body conform to our fantasy of having a body, what we want it to look like, what we want it to be like, that we want it to last for as long as we want it to last, that we don't want it to age. So we end up struggling with the fact that we have a body at all, and we don't have a, often a positive relationship to the actual body we have. We also um, not only ask more of the body than it can offer, is a place we have deeply rooted identification. So um, I know temple several ways, but the way I'm most comfortable identifying myself is by this body I have. And a lot in terms of the face I have, I can pick myself out in a picture um, with other people because I can see the face and like, that's me. So we actually have to... um, in order not to struggle, in order to stream through reality as it is, we have to mature our relationship to having a body. So these next three practices are are fairly direct renegotiations down into what it means to actually have a body. The first part is going through the body by its anatomical parts. And they made a list and they broke it down, the body, into 32 parts. And so that's a meditation that starts a little bit conceptual until you're not only being mindful of the breath, being generally aware of the body, but you start to actually see if you can mindfully experience the regions of the body the different uh, systems within the body so that you see if you can sit there and can you feel the bones in your body? And actually it requires deeper intimacy as you're being embodied to say, oh wait, yeah, if I didn't have any bones, I would fall over. So that I'm not falling over, there must be bones, but I wonder if I can actually feel them as I'm breathing Oh, you're right, part of the, my rib cage stretches, but part of it's firm. And some of that firmness is the muscle, and some of that firmness is actually the bones of my ribs. And so if you can come into the 32 parts of the body, 
it draws in intimacy into different regions. And then you can actually begin to feel different parts of the body. It should heighten intimacy with having a body. So as, you're, you know, as you move your arm, you can feel that there are bones within your arm that give it its rough shape and strength. There's muscle and there's skin and there's hair. Sometimes you can feel the fact that a breeze will go over one part of your body and you can feel it more distinctly than another. You can get a sense that, oh, that's the hair on my body. So as you go into 30 parts of the body, one, it increases intimacy. And two, it begins to challenge the fact that when I don't look at it that closely, I can take the sum of this and call it temple. A noun that I get to own, that I get to identify with. But bit by bit, I don't find temple anywhere. If I were to take apart all the parts and put them into neat little categories, you wouldn't actually find temple. So this very thing that I'm sure is me, when I get intimate with it, there's actually not a a lasting, unchanging, reliable me in there. It's just 32 parts, 32 animal parts. So one part going through can bring up intimacy a deeper intimacy with your body than just knowing it as a totality. I know I have a body. You get into feeling all the different components of the body. And then it also begins to untangle this perception that there's a me lasting through time because there's this body, this unchanging, reliable, consistent body that I'm referring to as I refer to me. When we relax out of that, we'll find that we actually stream through life much better. So as a silly example, you could take a bowling ball, put it on a chain or a rope and drag it through a river. So the bowling ball is going through the river. The river is streaming, but the bowling ball holds itself as a fixed I am and draws security from the I am. I am the bowling ball. I bounce off the rocks. I am not the water. Everything else is streaming, but I pulled myself into this strong sense of I am. I am not changing. I am made of hard stuff. If the bowling ball were actually a water balloon pulled through the current, the current would cause ripples through the, the uh, water balloon And there might be a sense that there is something being inside and outside, but it's both made of water. And it's just that this is a collection of water held together, flowing through the river. Less distinction, less this is water, this is bowling ball. It's all streaming. And so as you come in to feel these individual parts of what you're calling you, and you can uh, relax your relationship to them, not drop them, not push them away, but relax into, yeah, there is a hand. And this hand is a biological part of, part of me. But I'm softening the hard relationship of me, and I just, it's a hand. And I get to kind of control it, but it's not fundamentally me. I don't have to so identify temple as this hand, 
it's a hand that I'm borrowing. It's a hand that I get to use, but I'm less fixated that somehow this hand is, says something very definitive about me, temple. And so bit by bit, you let go of the things that you're reifying as this is what I'm claiming as me. And you relax into, well, I don't claim it as me, but it's awfully useful and I love the fact that I get to use it. But no, you're right. It's a hand. It's got bones. It's got skin on it. It can do incredible things. But is it really where I'm fundamentally referring to this felt sense of temple? Like, yeah, I can soften there. Is this raising more questions or is this interesting? Is this translating? So this 32 parts of the body has, is, has these two impacts. One, it draws your intimacy more further into the body when you see it, when you feel into all the different parts. And two, it begins to soften and then break apart this um, tightening we have that I am the body and the body is me. So if this body ages, I have aged. Temple has aged because this body has aged. Well, the felt sense of me is less identified, less reified, less caught up in the fact that I'm hosted by a human animal. Yeah. I'm curious, because um, th- those both make sense to me, and it seems like they're the different tenor than in the sutta, which talks about impurity and maybe emphasizes the grossness. Yes. Okay. Yeah. No, so it is there. There is there. And there is, there's a, there are a couple of things in the language here that's really good to to draw out. I'm glad that you drew them out. Um, So there is this word impurity. And this is seen as what's called asuba practices. Asuba is beautiful. Asuba is the not beautiful so drawing out those two things is definitely in the structure of the 32 parts of the body. But <clears throat> it's not necessarily meant to... to um, you can draw that part out of this practice um, to the degree that that's actually useful. So that's one thing. There are a couple, a couple of interesting fine points here. Another is that in Indian culture at the time... There's a belief that we don't have in our culture that they believe the world was made up of uh, pure things and impure things. And so it was very important to actually um, sense what the pure things were and what the impure things were. We don't have that notion. And so trying to actually convince us that this body is not pure we don't have the same type of urge, the same type of um, philosophy that there are, the universe is made up of pure and impure things. So some of it is historical and cultural that the Buddha is trying to get people of his time to go through. And if they have mistakenly assumed that the body, they can cling to it and they can own it because they're hoping that it's made of pure things. 
it ends, he's saying, no, actually every part of the body is impure. And impure means that it's affected by aging. It's affected by um, uh, its own impermanence. It's not something you get to totally rely upon. And since people unconsciously are relying upon the body, one of the things that you would use this language in in that culture at that time would be to talk about purity and impurity. That sense of purity and impurity is also woven through the caste system. And we don't have that. We just don't culturally have that. So it's not culturally useful for us to to try to force this interpretation um, onto our bodies. It's, it's, not a, it's not a complication we have culturally, this obsession with what is pure and what is impure. So taking the cultural piece out um, what can happen for some people is um, one way that the, that they overask the real animal body is that they could finally make it live up to their ideal of what a body should be. And so one of the ways that spirituality can get off track is that if you... Um, approach a spiritual form hoping it will make you something that you can't be. You have a vision of what's possible and then you're hoping. So we don't have so much of the body stuff in this tradition, but we definitely have everybody should be calm and present and should have a gleam in their eye. There are all these notions of what meditation should do for you. And if it's not doing that for you, you can't be doing it right. At the time of the Buddha, there were practices that would seem to purify the body, but people would take that notion into thinking, I could finally have this amazing body that is only going to be beautiful and is going to be radiant and I can be proud of. And so it's not wanting a healthy body, it's actually wanting something that is really hard to make a body become. And so some of this can counter that if you have that... um, if you have that disposition hoping that there's enough you can do to finally get the body to look like you want it to look like, to actually say, no, this body's going to have skin, skin will never be flawless, body has hair, this body has li- liquids and fluids and substances inside. Your real body is actually an animal body. It's not this, per- this perfection that I could chase after. I don't think so many of it. Some, in our culture, there's a lot of, um, I, there is a lot of pressure to make bodies look a certain way. And that's where culturally we actually may benefit from this. If you're tilting in that direction, you might challenge that hope that you can get the flawless, perfect body that everybody, including you, wants to look at. So this could challenge that. What's not helpful is to actually grow to dislike your body in any way. That's not helpful. Um, There are certain unconscious trends in our tradition that get weary of the world. And then if you increase an aversion to the world, it feels like you're making headway in our tradition because you're not craving everything. You don't crave things, you dislike them. It's like, wow, that's great. You must be making headway. It's not, you're just tilting into the negative versus tilting to the positive. You want to end up having an intimate relationship with your actual body. 
That's where freedom is, an intimate relationship with your actual body, not putting heavy pressures on it that it'd be other than it actually is. So um, one way I've done that recently is I really enjoy seeing my body as my animal vehicle. And I stop asking that it conform to my ideas of what I hoped it would be and actually start appreciating. If I stop asking it to be something other than it is, it's still jaw-droppingly amazing to have the body I have taken on and taking out all the cultural pressures that it look a certain way. You know, whiter teeth, less weight, taller, more like this, more like that. Those strains are constantly woven in there. So some of this relationship to these 32 parts is to counter the illusion that we can um, have the body that will bring us pleasure versus finding pleasure in the actual body we have, or at least the right relationship to the actual body we actually have. That's a good point because if if that wasn't elucidated, then trying to be... um, devoted to this tradition, you might say, oh, I'm supposed to pick up a negative relationship with the body. And that wouldn't be helpful. So we have the 32 parts of the body as one, the four elements as another, and then the corpse reflections are the other. And we'll look at the 32 parts and the elements now and this evening. We'll look more at the, the practice of the corpse reflections. So the antenatal parts, again, disciples, they review the same body up from the soles of the feet and down from the top of the hair, enclosed by a skin as full of many kinds of impurities, thus, impurity thus. In this body, there are head hairs, body hairs, nails, teeth, skin, flesh, sinew, bone, bone marrow, kidneys, heart, liver, a diaphragm, spleen, lungs, bowels, mesonary, contents of the stomach, feces, bile, phlegm, pus, blood, fat, sweat, fat, tears, grease, spittle, snot, oil of the joints, and urine. What's mesentery? <clears throat> mesentery is connective tissue. Have you ever, what's that? Um, fascia is within muscle. It's sort of, um, it's the connective tissue um, holding the structure of muscle together. Mesonary, if you actually ever look inside the organs, there's um, tissues that hold organs together. And why, if you open someone up, it, the, the uh, organs don't just move freely. They're held together by certain connective tissue. Also, um, sinew is uh, tendons that hold bones together. Um, so it actually is a practice, and we don't really have time to develop it here because it actually, to really do it, takes time to build um, an experiential um, relationship to all 32 parts. But you usually take them in groups of five or six, see if you can get that group of five or six as a felt experience, and then do the next group of five or six. And see, um, it's actually, there are people um, who can um, 
tune into the liquidity inside their body and actually can feel into whether their bladder is feeling full or not and then can feel that um, there's a sense of greater liquid being held in their bladder. So they actually can feel the experience of having urine in their body. And people can feel the peristalsis of their um, intestine. This can also be a practice of concentration where you just sort of go through where these areas are in in your body. And then that ends up being a a system for how you explore um, the felt sense of the body, just being able to point to these different areas with your attention and then see what sensations are in that area. So it's one system of breaking down the body into its various parts. There's a descriptive part afterwards. Just as though there were a bag with an opening at both ends full of many sorts of grain, such as hill rice, red rice, beans, peas, millet, and white rice, a man with good eyes were to open it and review it thus, This is hill rice, this is red rice, these are beans, these are peas, this is millet, this is white rice. So too they review this same body by all its pieces. Anilayo interpreted this image as um, farmers when they go to plant crops would have all the seeds in a large bag with the hole at both ends, you put the seeds in one end and you control the opening at the bottom as you walk along a, a row, planting, dropping seeds. <clears throat> and it's just the other image is that um, we also are a bag with a hole at both ends. We have a hole here and a hole down below. And what is inside our skin with this, these two openings as, a, as just some imagery? And then can you see the various contents of what it means? of having a body. And it's funny that even if you don't ask us to see this with any type of negative connotation, if you were to look at the actual body, you often wouldn't find it to be something that you would have a lot of craving for. And so the list looks like something unpleasant, phlegm, pus, blood, but the actual body has blood in it. The actual body has phlegm. The actual body has uh, has pus in it. Has fat and tears. The actual body has grease. I don't know if I've seen body oil, body grease is maybe another thing. It's spittle snot. <laughs> so it's a it's kind of a, again. This is the direct path. A direct dropping into the actual body taking away the fantasy of the body and actually learning to live with the actual body you have. The end result of having done this myself um, is that I, again, have an intimate relationship that I'm within a biological vehicle and the biological vehicle is made up of these many parts. One more little add-on that's often used, again, culturally for celibate monastics, when you start having craving for any other being that you're attracted to, you're asked to do 32 parts of the body reflection on them and say, you, you crave them so much, but what is it? Oh, their eyes. It's like, okay, imagine holding both their eyes in your hand. 
is that what you're really craving? It's like, uh, no, I don't actually want their eyes. Well, it's the lips, okay? Put the lips in your hand. Like, wow, it's funny. When you take them off the body, it's not that appealing. It's like, oh, I'm actually entranced by the, uh, the perception of this being. The actual being is different than my perception. There's, and you can romanticize the perception, but when you actually come in to know the actual being, there's still somebody very lovable there, but it's an actual being that sweats and has hair and is a real being as opposed to, from a distance, getting entranced by the, the idealized perception. So it's a pretty intensive deconstruction of what it means to have a body and hopefully is meant to do the right adjustment into having uh, an intimate, balanced relationship to having a body. There again, you do it internally. I kind of feel into my body parts, do it externally. I can kind of scan through and it's like, yep, a lot of eyeballs, a lot of skin, a lot of hair, and some people less hair. <laughs> like, okay, body parts. What's, happened? What's in the room with body parts? Um, these body parts have a beginning, they have an ending. They bear attention of what it's like to tune into body parts. And then seeing if you can bide in, um, intimately yet independently in the relationship to having bodies. The next round <clears throat> is the four elements. Again, disciples, they review the same body, wherever it is placed, wherever disposed, as consisting of elements thus. In this body, there are the earth element, the water element, the fire element, and the air element. Now that you have the ability to kind of scan through your body and know the regions of it, you then go in to feel the actual tactile experience, and you find that if you categorize all the experiences you have, they can fall into these four categories. A temperature category of cool to warm, an earth category of it being heavy or light, hard or soft, um, rough or smooth, uh, an air quality, and air here is the category of whether there's any sense of force, either static force or moving force. So as we breathe, that's a moving force. If you hold your breath, the air inside is causing a, a static sense of pressure. That's what's meant by air here. It's a sense of pressure. Then water is what? Is there any sense of flow in the body or cohesion? And then, again, that's to give us the direct experience of the body versus the perception of the body. The direct experience, the sensory experience of the body is a play of these many sensations and when you drop into the field of it, it's just sensations arising and passing, less of a solid thing you can claim as or grab onto as a solid sense of me. How about fire? What's that? Fire, fire element is just the... So again, if you take... Um, if we were to go through the dictionary and pull out every word that could possibly be a sensation itching, scratching, burning, cooling. You could actually tease out all the sensations into four categories. Fire element is just any sensations that have a, a temperature quality. 
So you can let rest in the body and just see it as a play of temperatures. Coolness, warmth, neutrality, something getting hot. Then the circulation changes, perspiration comes, it cools off. Oh, my body is a play of temperatures. You can look at the earth element. Parts of my body seem dense and heavy. Parts of my body seem lighter. This is what we're calling the earth element. Really, the four elements here are... um, you're not looking for earth, like you're looking for mud or rocks. You're looking for qualities that um, we associate with earthy things like rocks. How heavy or light is it? How um, dense or open is it? How soft or hard is it? Then the two other categories that are a little more subtle, the air element is any, any, any sense of force in the body so it's called air because as you burp, that's a force moving through the body. As gas moves through your body and you end up farting, that seems to be air. The breathing causes a lot of the sense of force in the body. But your heartbeat, the pulsing, is also considered air element. It's the air in the body. Tension in your body where you feel pressure, like you have a migraine or a headache, that's considered uh, excessive air element. And you'll see this in Chinese medicine and Ayurveda medicine, that the things that feel like force in the body are conceived as um, air, air playing out through your body. But it's confusing if you take it too literally because the pulsing you feel in your heart is considered air element, but it's it's a muscle and liquid process. So don't get too caught up in the actual word. It's just a category heading. And the water element is whether something feels held together or whether something is flowing. So um, the sense of warmth spreading over your body would be the fire element and the water element in combination. The end result of this is that you end up opening up to the the, your body, the from within, is a play of sensations. And all these sensations come and go. It's easier to see them arising and passing when you look at them one by one. And then you can actually feel into the entire body as just an anicca field, an impermanent field of things arising and passing. It's easier to see their arising and passing nature when you break it into the elements. And then the little more graphic imagery here. Just as though a skilled butcher or their apprentice had killed a cow and was seated at a crossroads with it cut up into pieces, so too they review, they review, sorry, the same body. <clears throat> the imagery here is a little bit more assertive. And it's a little bit more to... Um, to break apart this urge to call the body a whole thing that you can then make permanent. It's harder to make things um, insist that they're permanent when you see their, uh, the many parts that make them up. Any questions about these two practices, the 32 parts of the body or the four elements? Yeah. 
Yeah, it is shocking that they have a cow cut up because um, cows are pretty holy in India. So I don't know why they have a cow here cut up. That would be... So it's kind of like, if you read it that way, it's kind of like it's not horrible. It's just a body. Maybe. <clears throat> yeah. And maybe that they, they deified cows, and so if you actually saw a cow cut up, there'd be less deification of the cow as parts versus the cow as a deity on earth. So I'd like to do is actually guide you through these practices so you get a taste of them, and then we'll have lunch, and then we'll have the whole afternoon for, um, for your exploration of these practices. And again, if it all starts to feel too complicated and you don't have much access to what's happening here, you can always go back to a practice that's more grounding and then experiment again and see if the elements or the 32 parts is something you want to um, open up a relationship to. So to do that, let's uh, stand up for a second to give our bodies some rest. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.